Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chris Cimino here with Dan Gasper for the Ownership Report week number two in the National Football League for DFS purposes. Dan, it's going to be a very, very interesting week here because it's a lot different than week number one. The structure on a site like DraftKings is extremely, uh, I would call it efficiently priced on FanDuel, not so much. And on Yahoo, of course, it's usually not that efficiently priced, but there's always some considerations that vary from week to week. And Dan, looking at what's going on in week number two here, it's going to be quite a challenge to build a unique lineup if you want to play the chalk stacks. Yeah, so week one, I kind of sarcastically was like, oh, this week kind of stinks. We have too many cheap wide receiver options. And the the build was fairly obvious, but I do feel like there were plenty of ways to get different, plenty of, I mean, just stack Kansas City, who would have guessed? Um, right. But this week is different in the matter that like, I still think the the chalk build is obvious, but it's a little bit harder to get off of because some of these plays are just like tremendous plays. Like you said, it's efficiently priced. I would go as far as saying perhaps a little bit of mispriced on some of these Dallas receivers that are going to really soar the ownership up. Um, so it, it's a little bit different from last week, but kind of equally is meh for me, I guess, in terms of trying to figure out what to do different. There's no Marquez Callaway to blow up your lineup this week at 3,400. Uh, we're looking at last week's ownership projections versus the actual ownership. Pretty good, pretty good correlation on our ownership projections last week. But as just talking about the way things are different build-wise, you know, you're not going to see Christian McCaffrey up here in the 20% range because you don't have your Callaways and Kyle Pitts to structure builds. There's no Elijah Moore that people thought was going to be another, another bust, speaking of last week, you know, no cheap defense that everyone's going to play. It's just really going to be spread out a lot more across the various lineups. Just some other interesting notes from last week. You know, uh, guys like uh, Tannehill and A.J. Brown, uh, they're not going to get as much ownership this week because they were pretty highly owned and busted. Uh, You had someone like Najee Harris. Interestingly enough, uh, 
did squat, but he's going to be the chalk this week. And that's just all because of how closely people are following projections and seeing how much he actually played and was on the field last week. People are sort of over, uh, you know, I mean, there's some degree of recency bias, Tuttle, but I would say by and large, the days of just avoid whoever scored last week are over, right? I mean, people are going to be more savvy than that when they decide who they're going to play. Yeah, it's, and it's honestly a huge shift from where we were at years ago. Um, like you said, Najee Harris projecting as chalk. I think that's that's accurate. I also wanted to touch on, you, you mentioned no Marquez Callaway this this year to, or this week to sync your lineups. That's unfortunate because I think we, we identified him, I think, as a fairly easy GPP fade um, for reasons why we saw last week. And I alluded to it earlier. We don't... <laughs> we don't have a guy like that this week. Like the, the guys that are projecting is chalk are seemingly solid options. You mentioned Kansas city, you know, we thought Mahomes was going to be pretty popular. He only ended up at like 9%. So, you know, ultimately that's what we're trying to find here on the ownership report is some guys, maybe towards the end of the show, we'll go over a couple of guys that we like lower ownership than their chance of probably reaching their GPP winning expectation. Let's talk about quarterback on DraftKings a little bit more where I have Dak Prescott as the top-owned quarterback right now. I think if you wanted to interchange that thought with Justin Herbert right now as far as who could be the top-owned guy at QB, uh, by all means, that game is going to be very popular. It's a question of you know which construction are people going to like better. Are they going to want to pay uh, down at the tight end position, which would probably favor more of a Herbert in a double stack, or if you wanted to maybe punt with like a Cedric Wilson in tournaments, maybe you'll see more Dak Prescott out there. But ultimately, I think these are the top two guys. Yeah, um, completely agree. They're the top two guys. And we, we've been messaging back and forth a little bit and you're trying to figure out like who's going to be the highest owned of the two and where are they exactly going to come in? Um, and I don't know. You mentioned that Dak has the, the guys that are easier or more obvious to pair him with on DraftKings specifically. I agree with that. And then on FanDuel, it's a little bit different where Mike Williams is super cheap, super, super cheap on FanDuel. Um, and so I think pretty easily these two are going to be the highest owned options, which will then make everybody else pretty low owned. I don't, I do not think you have to worry about ownership of any quarterback after these two guys, basically. Yeah. And I think that that's where, when we start to talk about ownership differently these days, we should be really thinking about the ownership of not, just the stack, you know, the ownership of Herbert plus Williams plus Keenan Allen, but then, you know, probably who's going to get brought back and then what salary does that leave on the table and what does the rest of the build look like? I mean, I think you're really starting to get a more holistic approach these days as far as when we consider ownership, you know, what does the total lineup ownership look like? And I think you're going to be in a struggle. If you go ahead and put someone like Dak in the lineup and then you want to right away put both CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, well, that's going to start leading you down a path to a very, very consistent build with a lot of other people. And I think that that's where we have to talk about, like, what what is that we're going to do with the rest of our lineup that is going to try to keep that lineup's general ownership down? Because you don't want to find yourself in a situation where you've got Najee Harris and, you know, uh, you know, Chris Carson in that lineup as well. And then you're really going to be in you're basically shooting for the nuts there. And it's probably not going to be the nuts. Would you agree with that? Yeah, 100 um, percent. And the other thing to think about here when constructing lineups is, um, I mean, total overall ownership too, um, like you mentioned, and a way to kind of figure this out, right? So these guys are both playing in the late game. And so I know Drew Dinkmeyer talks a lot about optionality and 
the idea behind it is you're going to go a little bit more contrarian. So if you're playing these two guys in your, in your main lineup, main tournament lineups, you have some sort of stacks here with these guys, um, maybe get a little bit more contrarian with your early plays in your lineup, because then based on if, how their performance goes, if they bust or if they, if they do well, you know, then if you can eat the late game chalk or if you need to pivot a little bit. Uh, so I think that's something to keep in mind. If you're playing, you know, charger stacks, if you're playing Dallas stacks, maybe get a little bit weird early on. Um, so, you know, if you can eat that chalk or if you need to pivot elsewhere. If you do pivot elsewhere for your main stack, you've got a lot of great options. Uh, just really just looking at in this next tier of guys, Brady hurts Allen and Wilson. I mean, you make the case, which one of these guys do you not like the situation for this week? I'm, I'm seeing a pretty good spot here, even for Jalen Hurts against San Francisco. You know, Detroit was getting up and down the field on them towards the end of the game last week. There's really nothing that says, you know, pause on these higher owned guys that are basically, they, I mean, they could be as up to half as owned as the top two guys. Yeah, of the three Hurts is probably my least favorite, but that's because I have some priors against him. Um, he looked he looked good in the new offense, um, and they did look to highlight his strengths a little bit more, uh, quicker passing, um, things of that nature. Uh, I love Josh Allen this week at this ownership. We, we talk about a team. We'd, we we pretty much mention him every week because he's on a team that's just going to throw the, the ball at such a high rate, right? Like he, he saw 51 pass attempts last week, obviously did not perform very well with those 51 pass attempts, but this is a guy that we can confidently say is in an offense. That's just going to throw the ball no matter what we can't necessarily say that about it. Basically any other quarterback, like there, any other quarterback might end up ha handing the ball off like Russell Wilson, who's in the same range. Like if, if Seattle gets out to a lead, it's going to be Chris Carson show. Um, that's not the case with Josh Allen and Buffalo. Like the matchup's not the greatest, but we know he's going to get the volume. We know who his top targets are in that offense. Uh, so Allen is, I think, pretty easily my favorite option in here, um, just because I know he he's going to throw the ball an absolute ton, no matter what. Yeah, I think that if you go ahead and do a Josh Allen stack and you start to add a bring back, well, we don't have to bring anybody back here, but let's say we wanted to just get a couple of wide receivers with Josh Allen you're going to see that the price points are pretty attractive, even if you just did digs with one of the other receivers. But if you did both yep. the receivers, you're going to have a pretty affordable way to give yourself some options with the rest of your lineup build. So I think that's an interesting fact about Allen this week when it comes to the way that you'll construct your rosters. But uh, ultimately, I don't think he's going to be uh, – he was you know, you know, one of the higher-owned quarterbacks last week, and I don't think he's going to get quite that high this week. Uh, Russell Wilson is the guy that I heard talked about quite a bit this week. Uh, looking pretty good last week. You know, obviously we love these wide receivers in this offense. God, this guy throws such a beautiful deep ball. Uh, and, and Tennessee on the back end, uh, well, I mean, I don't want to call him woeful yet because it's early in the season. We don't exactly know what's going on here, but certainly Arizona had their way last week. And Russ is uh, looking to take this new offense, uh, you know, to higher levels than it's been before. A pretty good week one. What do you think about Wilson? Um. So I love Wilson. I mentioned that I do prefer Allen slightly above him, but here's the thing, like with Russell Wilson, um, we know his target tree is extremely narrow too, right? Like it's, it's going to be DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Yes. It's an expensive target tree to, to, to roster in DFS. Um, not on Vandal. Know, if, you, if, you, if you look at uh, Metcalf on Fanduel, yeah, Metcalf's pretty cheap. Yeah. And so what, what do we have curious project target share wise out of Metcalf and, and, um, lock it probably close to 50 percent, if not over 
um, is probably what you're looking at on, a, on pretty much a weekly basis. We know this Tennessee team's absolutely terrible. Uh, the offense was hyped a lot preseason. And honestly, they just ran away with the game in week one where they weren't tested and we didn't get to see a whole lot. Like if they're going to actually push the ball a little bit more. Um, and that's what you would worry about here with them being six point home favorites. But if Tennessee can keep pace, uh, the ceiling on Wilson and his stack is just, it's, it's huge. Yeah. We have like 40, we only have like 46% on those guys. So, I mean, that, there's clearly, you know, even room, if you wanted to be more aggressive with the projection, you could say, you know, these guys are even a little bit higher than we haven't projected and even better plays, but ultimately uh, this is going to be a game that maybe on a different week was even more targeted than it is right now, but just because yeah. we've got so much popularity on the deck game. And of course people want to play Tom Brady or at least his receivers, if not Tom Brady, because of what they did last week against the Cowboys. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, good options here at the top. And then, you know, Kyler Murray, after what he did last week at 8.2, the price point kind of takes him a little bit farther down the board here. And all he did last week was put up a massive GPP winning score. Yeah. So that's the other game. So you mentioned it when you said there are so many games with totals over 50 points this week, like any other week, um, some of these games would just be have absolutely massive ownership and we're just not going to see it. Um, I, I agree with, we'll see most of the ownership in that chargers um, Dallas game, which then leaves open Minnesota, Arizona, Tennessee, Seattle, um, Minnesota, Arizona. I don't, I don't want to say it's sneaky because it's like, Hey, these guys are obviously good plays, but it's not going to get the ownership that we it would see on any other week. So um, Kyler, excellent play um even Kirk Cousins from this game like absolutely gross to play a guy like Kirk Cousins but they're gonna have to throw the ball um so you worry a little bit about that the pressure will be able to get to him like Cincinnati obviously got to to Cousins pretty easily last week we saw Chandler Jones just eat up the Tennessee offensive line so there's some concern about that I would almost say there's possibly too much concern about that that's driving people away from this game in general um and we also saw Arizona's defense look good last week against Tennessee so I think those factors will drive specifically Minnesota's ownership down significantly Justin Jefferson Adam Thielen even though Thielen had a good game last week I will see his ownership driven down Um, so I do like this game I think we'll probably of the of the three late games that we've talked about so far I think this might end up being the lowest owned game um, which makes it an absolutely great game to target for sure be a fun late slate by the way uh if you're playing uh, multiple slates this week and certainly kyler is going to be part and parcel to that uh guys let's take our some business real quick like and subscribe to rg here if you're watching on youtube go ahead and smash that like button and, and check out rotorgrinders.com for the strategy shows that we're going to do each and every week DraftKings and fanduel we're covering it all all the shows give you free daily fantasy sports advice picks live chat and like so you know please give us a give us a hand here go ahead and like and subscribe uh, also, subscribe to the podcast feed. Uh, there's lots of great shows on there, uh, you know, including uh, plenty with uh, Dan Gasper throughout the year, not just for football, but baseball, basketball. We've got it all covered on the podcast feed. Uh, the RG Fantasy, Philly Fantasy Football feed is also great for just NFL information. Go ahead and subscribe to that as well. All right, let's talk running backs, Tuttle, because this, this week, you know, we would like to get to Christian McCaffrey every week. Uh, and, you know, this is, that's more of a cash game discussion, but – this week, you know, you could certainly play McCaffrey, 9.9. That's a pretty hefty price tag for him. But it looks like the mid-range is where most of the ownership is going to start to gravitate towards. you got Najee Harris, who was on the field, as I mentioned before, you know, 100% of snaps last week. 
we're playing the Raiders. All of a sudden, we've got people ignoring the 5.9 fantasy points from last week and go ahead and getting Najee in the lineup. Personally, I'm going to play him. I'm going to play him quite a bit. I don't know exactly how much it will be compared to the 23% own that I currently have projected on DraftKings, but I'm with the field here. I think that it's generally the right move to gravitate back here. How are you treating him in tournaments? Because it's a big deal. So my initial bills, I do still have a decent amount of them. I think he's a good play overall, um, which is obviously why he's projecting his high ownership. Um, it's just when you get these guys that are on the field for hundred percent of the offensive snaps, like a guy that's going to get 20 touches that's a scary fade. Um, we saw it last week, obviously worked out not playing Harris. Um, and for the same reason is why you would fade him this week, right? You just pray that he's not efficient. If he does not find the end zone, I could, I will say, I expect him to be active in the passing game, but he wasn't active enough last week where if he doesn't score a touchdown this week, it's certainly possible he flops still, even at this relatively cheap price tag. Um, so I'll have some of him but I do think there are enough reasons to even from just, even if the reasons just to, to get a different lineup construction, I think that's good enough to, to look at other builds with some of those high priced running backs that you mentioned. And that's where I don't know whether or not I'm going to take a strong position above or below the 23%. All I know is that I'm not going to be full fading this guy uh, with the kind of usage that he have. And, and knowing what I know about what teams, you saw Tyson Williams last week, right, Tuttle? Yeah. I mean, Tyson Williams is a bonafide jabroni. You can write that down. He's, I called him Travis Fulgham 2022, 2021. So go ahead and just write down Tyson Williams, not good. Najee Harris, actually good. Even if the Steelers' offensive line stinks, I still expect that the uh, Raiders can get run on here. And I do like Najee quite a bit in all formats. We'll talk about Chris Carson because we like the Seahawks, right? We like Russell Wilson. Uh, how are we going to deal with this particularly popular player? Because I think at 19%, you know, there's actually a little bit of room to the upside on that ownership. And it's for good reason. It's because he fits a lot of builds, but also, you know, there's, there's certainly plenty of fantasy upside here, right? Yeah, there is. Um, and again, there's like Seattle six point home favorite. So we definitely have a scenario here where they, they get out to a lead and they're just grinding Carson um, second half. And we saw last year too, Carson does have, um, like he's he uh, saw an increase in his receiving workload so he, he like he's a decent pass catcher he'll get some volume there um it is a fairly similar story to harris here though and one thing i want to mention with harris and carson is if i'm not playing these guys in the lineup i'm not doing so so i can play like a zeke Elliott or someone at the exact same price point right like i'm not i, I do not want to bet on zeke Elliott to outscore these guys what I bet, what I want to bet on is if I'm fading Harris or Carson, I'm betting on my different lineup construction to come together as a whole to beat the chalk lineup construction. So if I'm fading these guys, it's to go either cheaper at running back or to go more expensive, like we talked about. And then I think that's an important point to, to bring up. That's a good segue. Zeke was somebody that I didn't think would be particularly high owned earlier in the week. And as the week has gone on, it seems pretty clear that he is going to be pretty popular. I don't, I have somewhere in the neighborhood of 15% right now on DraftKings on some other sites. It's I mean, a little bit less on Yahoo as the pricing structure, a little bit different there. He's a little bit more expensive relative to the rest of the options on that site. But where do you see Zeke landing uh, popularity wise? Is, you know, is the roster rate going to be in this mid teens level as I have it, or is this maybe a little bit of an over project? So I was, my, my initial reaction was it's an over project. Um, 
just because of the other guys in his price range, right? Like I think they'll eat up a decent amount of the ownership that we see here. Um, so I think it's probably a slight over projection, especially because I don't think people will pair him with the receivers, right? So we know CD Lamb's going to be high owned. We know Amari Cooper's going to be be high owned. Uh, it's unlikely that we see a, a, a team construction, or it's, it'd certainly be much lower owned, where we see like a Dak, Zeke, and CD Lamb, um, which is something to consider when creating your lineups. Uh, but I, I do think it's a, probably a slight over project. Um, but a, at the same time, it's so weird to see Zeke at a 6,200 price tag and be like, okay, he's not a lock. Right. I, I do think it'll be closer to you know, over 10%, I guess is really where I'm quite sure it's going to be 15%. Just looking at it again, as we do this show, it looks like it may, you know, like you mentioned some good reasons why he might not appear in those stacked lineups and unstacked lineups. I still think you could see him used quite a bit, but at any rate, he is part of that mid tier category that we're trying to maybe make sure we're not falling into the trap of making too many mid tier balance builds. If we're making a diverse set of lineups to try to span the leaderboard. And that's just one situation where Zeke is, you, you know, he, he's not someone, like you said, that you want to just go ahead and pair with two other guys in the mid-tier. You want to definitely make sure that you're trying to switch up that build as much as possible and not say he's going to outscore these top two guys. Okay, so let's talk about the expensive guys real quick. Let's talk about McCaffrey, uh, 12% owned. I, this is probably going to be a good tournament play, right? Like, I don't see his ownership yeah. on DraftKings specifically getting high. Maybe on FanDuel it gets up there. But it certainly seems like a situation where – Nine and hundred is too much of a price to pay. Not going to be the popular build. Yep. Good tournament play. Like you said, it's not going to be the popular build just because, you know, it's not week one where we have five, three K receivers that are, are standing out as decent options. We have a couple. Okay. Three ish K receivers this week. Uh, so it will not be a popular play. Good tournament build um, or a good tournament option in, in across from him then you can play them together. Like we, we typically say, Hey, don't, don't play two running backs on the same line in the same game against each other on the same lineup. You can throw that out the window with, with Kamara and McCaffrey. They do so much for the respective teams that you can 100% play them in the same lineup. Um, and speaking to, to Kamara specifically saw an expanded role in week one. Um, we, we think Jones jr. Is going to see, you know, the backup work, um, and heading into the the first week, we were kind of like, what's it going to be? Is it going to be at the same level Latavius Murray was playing back up in the last couple of seasons? And from what we can gather, I think it's going to be less. So we're, we're looking at probably a larger rush share for Kamara, probably a fairly similar uh, target share as, as what we saw in previous years. Um, but even just that added, added rush share, I, I don't think he's going to get taken out at the goal line or anything like that. That was somewhat of a worry with, with Murray. Uh, there's still Taysom Hill there to be a nuisance, but you know, regardless, I would say to higher touchdown equity this year for Kamara than what we've seen at previous season. So I, I like both of these high price running backs in this game. And I think you can play them in the same, same lineup. Somebody like an Eckler or a Darrell Henderson, uh, they're certainly going to be popular options this week. Uh, Henderson, you know, if you, if you talked about him prior to his rookie season, right, everyone was all over this guy. They were just, Salivate. can't wait to see what Darrell Henderson does in the NFL. Then Sean McVay got a hold of him. They basically didn't use him for a couple of years. Now all of a sudden he's got all the opportunity and people just kind of don't want to play him at 5,700. Is, is this a mistake? Is, he got all the work last week. So I still think there is um, 
the thought or idea, and I'm not sure it's right, that Sony Michelle is going to see a larger workload than he saw in the first week. Like, I, I still think there's a thought out there that Michelle's still learning the playbook. He's new to the team. His role will expand as the season progresses. And I think that's driving his ownership down. Otherwise, like on a, on a normal slate, we see a 5,700 guy uh, running back for the Rams at, you know, 11%, like the, you just would smash the over. Um, but I still think there's the thought in people's minds, my, mine included, honestly, that Michelle does see a little bit bigger of a role. The question is, how big of a role would Michelle need to see to really devalue Henderson at 5,700? Yeah, so we, we baked some of that into the projections. We're still liking what we see here with him from a play projection standpoint. Uh, the owner, ownership is not out of control. So I, I think that he fits in pretty well, uh, you know, barring any sudden change in how popular he is going to be. Tuttle, we like we can't play some of these stud guys this week in DFS, but if you go over to Thrive Fantasy, if you go prop up on Thrive Fantasy this football season, you're going to be able to play on a daily fantasy and esports app for player props. And you can eliminate the countless hours of research focusing on guys like Marquez Calloway and, you know, guys we wasted our time on last week and focus on just the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game, like your Christian McCaffrey's choose 10 out of 20 available players that they have to build a lineup of props. Each prop's going to be assigned a value for both the over and the under based on how likely it is to hit. Uh, most of the props are going to, you know, rack up the most points with those props and you can win your share of the prize money. Use promo code grinders when you go over Tuttle. Uh, I, know, I know I want you to do that right now, as a matter of fact. Uh, sign up today and you'll get 100% on your instant uh, first deposit. So up to 250 bucks, you can get that free over at Thrive Fantasy. Uh, this They're going to do a 50K guaranteed. Uh, that, that last week they did 100K, so you, you missed out on that. But get over there for the 50K. Uh, some, somebody who uh, listened to one of our shows went, went ahead and won that. Uh, that contest for 20k so congrats to them anyway get to the thrive fantasy website download the app on your phone uh, or on the play store and uh, www.thrivefantasy.com is where you can find that sign up and prop today all right let's get over to the wide receiver position and talk about the chalk guys uh, this is a little bit different than last week like we said we don't have a cheap guy up top we've got amari cooper heading up the ownership projections this week uh cd lamb also very high up here uh, by the way who do you think is going to be more popular of those two i think that that's a toss-up yeah, I think that's a toss-up as well um, because Cooper Cup jumps out in the low 6Ks. And I think I've seen quite a, a decent amount of questions. Do you want Amari Cooper or Keenan Allen? They're the same price point, right? 200, 200 difference between the two. Um, I think but, but between the teammates, I think it's a toss-up. Yeah, I do expect people to look at the game Amari had last week and maybe edge out CeeDee Lamb you know, the $400 price gap is some, certainly worth considering. I like CD Lamb better personally, but between the two guys, I do think that you'll see just a little bit more on Amari. And the bring back, obviously, to Keenan Allen, it just makes all the sense in the world. And that this is where you're going to get that balance build chalk. You're going to have one of these, one or both of these two guys, plus a 7K, uh, Keenan Allen, and right, right away, your opportunity to spend up somewhere else kind of goes out the window. Yep, 100%. And I'm, I'm curious, um, most weeks or a lot of weeks we see the overall ownership on running backs because running backs get played in the, the flex a little bit more frequently. Do we, do you have a shift on that this week? Like, are we projecting because like, the wide receiver is so deep, what's the total overall projection on wide receivers here? Are we expecting 
more real wide receivers to get flexed to this week or, or not? I did move it on several slates. And I think on the main slate, I did that as well. And I, it's, you know, you just what Tuttle's talking about is generally speaking in the flex usage is somewhere in the, you know, 45 to 65 range uh, for running backs, uh, somewhere in the 30 to 45 range for wide receiver. And then you don't see quite as much usage of the tight end. Uh, looks like right now, yeah, I have running back down to 250 and wide receiver up to 340 at the moment. I think that you, know, you can make the case that there maybe maybe there could be more wide receiver than that, but th- that's still a pretty decent lean towards the wide receiver position as compared to how I might normally project it. And that and that makes all that makes sense because there's just not like name a cheap running back that you like. Yeah, I got one, but okay, well, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Let's talk about Cooper Cup. He's going to be popular. He's six K once again in that mid tier build, and he had all the fantasy production last week. Tons of targets, ten targets as a matter of fact last week. Uh, everyone's thinking that Matthew Stafford in this offense is going to elevate the play of the wide receivers as compared to what Jared Goff was able to do. Discuss that. How do you feel about playing Chalk Cooper Cup? Um, I'm mostly okay with it. So the thing is, like, every every week we get these guys that are on primetime games. The sites are too eager to release salaries super early, and we kind of get some mispricings. This is one of those mispricings from Cooper Cup. Um, I don't know why Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb are, are as cheap as they are. That's a different story. Um, but Chalk Cooper Cup, especially on DraftKings, where you get the full PPR, is, is fine to me. Um, he, I mean, he's shown such a floor in the past with Jared Goff. Um, typically, the pivot off of him would be Robert Woods, though. And the thing with Robert Woods, he he was out. He, he uh, Van Jefferson ran more routes than, than Robert Woods in week one. Um so it's like, usually if you think cops going to be chalked then you just go and play Robert Woods. And I would not feel comfortable doing that. Um, Woods kind of got there with a late TD last, last week. And like I said, he, he wasn't on the field as, as much as we were previously accustomed to. Um, so I'm not pivoting off of cup for Woods in this instance. And I think cup is a, a, certainly a fine play. Yeah. It's uh, someone that I was on for season long this year. And I was happy to see him start to go up here uh, at 20%. Uh, this week, I'm certainly not going to be going out of my way to get way over top of this. There's just so many good options down the board here that I think I would like to maybe try to differentiate a little bit from Cup more so than the field will do at, you know, approaching that 20% mark. Now, Chris Godwin, Stefan Diggs, uh, to a lesser extent Diggs, I'll say, but Jamar Chase and DeAndre Hopkins, the, you know, three of these four guys were guys that really stood out last week. Diggs stood out all last year. I think these are the next uh, four guys in terms of popularity. Let's talk about Godwin, though. There's three good receivers on this team. Are you really going to want to roster among those three the guy who has the highest own percent? I mean, certainly everyone is deserving of their share amongst your diverse set if you're on the Buccaneers this week. But what I'm trying to say is if you could only choose one, it would have to be one of the other two guys, right? Yeah, for tournaments, 100%. Like Godwin is easily the quote-unquote safe guy. We know the target share is going to be there for him. Um, The thing is, like, so – you're going to hate this take because it's not a statistically based take. Um, but with some of these veteran quarterbacks, we saw it back with Peyton Manning a decent amount. He'll feed the alpha receiver coming off a bad game just to get the confidence back going. We saw like we saw Godwin eat. We saw Antonio Brown eat in week one. Mike Evans was held. I think it was just three catches for 24 yards, something crazy like that. And Dallas was basically bumping him on the line with Trayvon Diggs and sending help his way. 
So Dallas was playing to shut Mike Evans down. I'm not saying that's not going to happen this week with Atlanta. Like they could play the same thing, but if, if not, like cue Mike Evans up, he's going to absolutely eat. Um, and, and Brady will look to feed him too, I think. It could also just be the Anthony Brown stinks, but, you know, and Antonio Brown was just burning him. <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, I think if you are in that situation with the Buccaneers where you're trying to figure out who to be the most contrarian with your stack is concerned, uh, you definitely want to take a look at how things have gone recently. Because, yeah, I, I know I, that's just in one breath I say that, and earlier in the show I said something completely different. But at the end of the day, you know, these guys are all three going to project fairly similarly. You're, it's not easy to go ahead and put – a massive target share on one of these guys as compared to the other right now, Godwin's got the edge, but Mike Evans, you know, even if you can't project him for more, you still have to give him a reasonable chance at being the highest ceiling of the three every single week. So th that's a situation where I'm looking at the ownership here, looking at Godwin and saying, I like him, but I think I like the other guys better. Let's talk about uh, Jamar chase for quick. How are you going to handle this? Because last week it was T Higgins. Everyone thought was going to be owned this week. I think chase is the guy people think is going to be owned because of, of the recent performance, quite frankly, but also the price tag. How are you treating this? I, I, I think I could almost put that conversation on repeat that we just had for Tampa Bay with Cincinnati. Yes, um, agree. I think the target distribution on a weekly basis is going to be matchup dependent. It's going to be fairly hard to predict move, you know, heading into the week. So in that sense, you just take the lower own guy, right? Like if you look at projections, these guys project extremely similar between Higgins and Chase. We currently have, chase projected for three times the ownership of chase so like that's easy just just take t higgins like it, it it could be a spot where uh chase just ends up being the dominant alpha but we don't have enough sample to realize that yeah we we have no clue really um so in, in a situation where there's a lot of question marks in the air and you really don't have any idea just take the lower own guy right yeah and, and i don't think you can have that same conversation with the cardinals because hopkins is just so much better than the other guys yeah. i mean don't get me wrong. AJ Green's had his day. Christian Kirk looked pretty good last week. Everyone's in love with what Rondell Moore can do. But I think when you when you just look, you know, skill set to skill set, Hopkins is just better than the other guys. It's not really close. And I think the quarterback knows it. And that's how it's going to work out target share wise pretty much most of the weeks. Yes. And but what I will say, like Hopkins, easy, far and away, number one. Um, if you're chasing Christian Kirk, don't do it. Like that's, I, I, I will go as far to say is that is not a very sharp move. Um, if you're trying to play someone here, that's not DeAndre Hopkins. It's ugly. Um, I think it would be AJ green. Uh, he was the starter in two receiver stats. He's going to be on the field the most uh, ran around on 32 of 37 Kyler Murray dropbacks compared to 23 out of 37 for Kirk and compared to 14 out of 37 for Rondell Moore. Um, they do look to manufacture more touches when he's on the on the field, so that is is obviously notable. Um, but man, AJ Green's on the field a lot, and it's a good matchup. Um, he only had two receptions last week, I know that, but he was second in the team with targets. He had six targets. Uh, he, he's probably washed up, but I don't mind <laughs> taking shots on AJ Green this this week. I don't think you're allowed to say that, right? If you are on a daily fantasy uh, content <laughs> site, you are not allowed to like AJ Green anymore. He is completely what this is. Isn't that like the, isn't that like the the number one parroted take across the industry right now is that AJ Green is washed and that yeah. you know he can't possibly do it again. By the way, I don't know that that's wrong. I'm just saying it's definitely something that you you know you don't hear too many people getting up on a pedestal for AJ Green these days. So it's interesting to hear from Tuttle. Uh, you 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 don't have like an age model, do you? Like. It, 
<laughs> I think, I think, isn't he, that the thing these days? The problem is he may have fallen off the H model cliff if recent production is any sort of indication. Um, but man, I, I do think this, this Minnesota Arizona game is amazing from a shootout potential. And we have AJ green projected at 1.3% ownership. He's the cheapest of the bunch. Um, he's 1300 less than Christian Kirk on DraftKings. Like to me, that's easily give me AJ green. I may have a similar take later. Okay. Real quick. I'm just going to fire off a couple other popular wide receivers and then we're going to move on because it's really, you know, once you get past those top couple of guys, I think it's going to start to get spread out quickly. Um, by the way, Cedric Wilson at 3.1 K. Am I wrong about this? Like on DraftKings specifically, you only think he's going to get some ownership. Uh, I've got Metcalf. I've got Lockett. I've got both the Browns, Antonio and AJ. And I think maybe we'll see someone like Mike Williams get up towards the top of ownership here as he gets paired with Justin Herbert and those charger stacks a real quick on Wilson. Is, is this correct take here? Is he going to start to creep up ownership because he's 3.1 and paired with Dak? <clears throat> I think it's a correct take. I, I do think he stands out as the 3K guy to play this week. The one thing I want to say about Cedric Wilson, and we'll, we won't know this until inactives are announced tomorrow, but Noah Brown was coming off the COVID list, I believe it was last week, and he was inactive. We have seen situations in the past where Dallas wide receiver is injured, and it has been more of a combination of Cedric Wilson and Noah Brown filling in as opposed to one dominant guy taking over. Um, so Wilson was obviously the dominant guy last last week, uh, but again, Noah Brown was inactive last week. So I think that is important to note and see if Noah Brown's active this week. It would make a little bit of an influence on my on my decision on if I want to play Cedric Wilson or not, um, just because I'd, like if, if Cedric Wilson is popping as the highest owned 3K guy, and Noah Brown's active, I probably want to take shots with like a Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, as ugly as it sounds. Um, and yeah, uh, I think that's just important to note with Cedric Wilson. If you want to see all the projections for all the sites, and more importantly, use the lineup builder to build with them, go ahead and sign up for RG Premium. Uh, we've got some fantastic tools over here for you to use to create great NFL DFS lineups. Uh, so again, go ahead and come over to Roto Grinders, sign up for a single sport or a combo sport package and see what we have to offer. Uh, hopefully you enjoy this content and you think it's worth a shot to come over and use some of the tools that I'm using right now. All right, let's get into the tight end position title. Uh, top of the list here, I've got Tyler Higby. Uh, I was thinking it was going to be fan earlier. If you just looked at how would I project it? Like how, how do I think this is going to shake out? I actually think that Fant versus Jacksonville is just a smash. Like I, I <laughs> they don't have uh Jerry Judy anymore. You know, we're talking about a defense that got uh, just carved up last week by who was it? Pharaoh Brown. This is a situation where Fant is going to be one of the primary targets in the offense. He's not going to be prohibitively highly owned. And unless I'm wrong about that title, I mean, what do you think about this? I mean, Higby's going to be the chalk. What do you think about Fant? Yeah. Um, I think I agree with your distribution. I'm just looking at it now. Um, but honestly, like 12% still for Fant is like for a tight end that's not named Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller. Like that's yeah. still like fairly high owned for a tight end. Um, sure. So like, I agree with your distribution. He's not going to be ultimate, ultimate chalk. I think he's a good play. I think the Broncos in general, any, anytime you're going up against team that a team that has allowed 24 points in 16 straight games, like any offensive weapon from that team is going to be in play. Um, 
so that almost gives me like, hey, if, if fans going to be the chalk on that team, play somebody else. But but still, fans not high enough owned where I'm looking to to get cute with it. Like if I think fans a good play, I'm going to play fan at that ownership. We- you do agree he's going to get played though, right? Like I'm not crazy yeah. with this projection on him. Like he's definitely going to be someone people are going to be looking at. But the reason I got a little bit excited about him is because we've got Higby at 4,100, who I also think could be a good play. You know, I mean, this is a situation where he was, he was used a ton last week. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't write down what the exact routes and snaps were for this show, but it, when I was doing the projections earlier this week and I saw how much he was on the field, I was like, here we go my preseason projection for him is going to be off because he is, you know, I thought maybe like they would have like Jacob Harris mixed in there, you know, and the other guy, the other guy, uh, Johnny Munt, you know, they've, they've got all kinds of tight ends out there that could potentially be on the field. They didn't use them. They used Higby pretty much exclusively. Yeah. So you talked a, a little bit, a little bit earlier in the show about how the field's getting sharper. They're actually looking who's on the field more. This will be the biggest test for me is Higby's ownership, right? Because like he had a fine game, but it wasn't off the charts, like five for, five reception, 60 yards, something, something around there uh, for Higby. So if you're projecting him as the highest owned tight end on, on DraftKings, you're predicting the field to be extremely sharp in my opinion, because he is the guy that's like, Hey, DFS Twitter is all about this guy was on the field all the time. He had massive usage. Like this is excellent. He's an excellent play. And so it's, it will be intriguing to me. I, I agree that he will be one of the highest owned options on DraftKings. Um, I would not be, surprised if the general public overpowered here and played a little bit more Gronk played a little bit even Jared Cook like I would not the general public loves Jared Cook loves loves let me tell you this guy was going so early in best ball drafts like they love Jared Cook they love this game in general I would not be surprised if when it all comes down to it in the Millie maker that Jared Cook comes out higher on than than Higby I think you have another test here with Darren Waller at 7.6. I mean, if this guy's high owned at 7.6, I mean, look, I, his projection is like, it's like, it's like a WR once like 17 and a half or something this week. It's, it's huge, but that's, you know, he's also priced like a wide receiver. So if this guy's going to be 20% owned again this week, I mean, that's your test, right? I mean, cause this guy got yeah. 19 targets last week, which is a reason to get excited for any player. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, I think compared to some of the cheaper guys in a, in a week where you don't have, a lot of salary to speak of. I mean, I'd much rather shift that 7,600 over to the wide receiver position and, and make it a part of my quarterback stack. I'm, I'm certainly not stacking Derek Carr against Pittsburgh. Maybe I'm wrong, but that, you know, that's a situation where if I'm playing tournaments here, uh, you know, I, I could get burned if, if Waller goes off. What do you think? No, I think you're right on DraftKings. I think you're wrong on FanDuel or at least a little shy. I know it's, it's, it's probably tough to push him too much higher but I think Waller will be absolute chalk, like stone, well, on, stone Fandle, chalk on FanDuel. On FanDuel, I have him at 20%. So, I mean, yeah, definitely he's going to be one of the I, Honestly, I, like, I think he could get over 25%. I know that's, from an, an ownership projection standpoint, I know that's extremely hard to predict, right? It's it's hard to push any player that high, but I do think on FanDuel, just like he's, he's so easy to get on FanDuel. Um, just because of, again, we got Cooper Cup at 6,200 or whatever on FanDuel. We have... The Dallas receivers in the low six Ks. We have Najee Harris. We have um, the other chalk running back that I'm forgetting right now. That's cheap, like he, uh, Chris Carson. It like Darren Waller on fan, and it's it's he's the guy that's so hard to not justify taking, even when he's chalk. You mentioned 19 targets last week. Still a lot of hype surrounding him in terms of Gruden saying like he's the best player he's ever coached. Like this guy's gonna get fed, um, even at you know 
25% projected ownership. If that's what I were to project him at, like I'm still playing him on FanDuel. He's just so good. And every, let's, let's ease up on, on look, I, this is a situation where, you know, he's going to be really popular, but 19 targets last week. You don't have to not play Darren Waller just because I think maybe I might not want to play him as much this week because of the pricing on DraftKings. This guy could absolutely go off and make my day a complete ruin. So just be aware of that. Uh, you got to make some decisions every time you play. And I'm looking at that a little bit this week as far as how much exposure I get to Waller. By the way, you want to talk about someone I'm definitely not going to get exposure to. The only times I heard people talk about James O'Shaughnessy this week, Tuttle, like, I, what am I missing? You have to be, like, you have to be kidding me. Are they? Are they well, no, I mean, that, I don't, that's I don't think, a common cow talk. I don't think anyone's playing them. I mean, I have him at 4% right now, which actually <laughs> might be too high, but I did hear his name a number of times because he played so much last week. Yeah. Guys, let's, let's be real. James O'Shaughnessy is not going to matter. And if he does, <laughs> I will eat this very hat live on the air, or at least something that's shaped like this hat that is more edible than this hat. All right, let's get into the defenses, Tuttle. Let's talk about defense number one, who, look, is difficult to peg. So I've got the Jets right now as number one because they're so cheap. But I think on DraftKings, the way that they do their pricing, it's pretty difficult to, to point to any of these defenses and say, yep, they're going to be the highest owned guy. Uh, the Saints are 3.1. The Browns are 3.5. The Steelers are 3.0. Uh, none of these defenses lend themselves to being the mega chalk the way the Falcons did last week. How do you have this kind of setup? Where would you rank these guys in terms of who's going to be the chalk? Yeah, there's no Falcons D that we can get zero points out of for 2K this week that we're going to massively own. Um, yeah, lineup construction on DraftKings almost always forces in a cheaper defense. Um, so pay up at the position in tournaments, right? Because defense is largely unpredictable. Um, agree with the ownership distribution here. Jets being the highest owned defense, they stand out, out as the best cheap defensive play. Um, I think looking through here, I'm trying to trying to get issue with your Saints versus Browns, but that's I mean it's I, I don't have an issue there. Um, I would not be surprised uh, if Cleveland ended up being the highest owned higher priced defense um, or even the Broncos. Like I could, like, I know they're, they're expensive. The Broncos are expensive, but I, I could see people saying, thinking the Jags are so, so bad that the Broncos get a little bit more ownership here. Um, so I think the Browns will be that, that next tier in terms of high price defenses, but I don't, I don't have a strong take either way. Yeah. It was definitely tough to do these projections on FanDuel. Not so much. I think you're definitely going to see teams like the Browns, uh, extremely high in popularity yeah. over there. Uh, you'll certainly see all, all the names that, that you were just talking about with, with, with the good spots this week. The uh, Buccaneers are going to be probably the highest owned defense on FanDuel uh, against Atlanta, or at least one of the highest owned if they're not the very highest. And you mentioned the Broncos in a pretty good spot here. So overall, much different playing on some of the other sites like FanDuel as compared to DraftKings. Tuttle, the DFS OGs League is happening. If you're playing on FanDuel, speaking of, sign up for the DFS OG's FanDuel contest for NFL Week 2 and compete with Beer, Head Chopper, and Notorious. Uh, you can find that link on the Roto-Grinders website. Just, guys, get over there and, and, and beat their asses. Uh, they're, they're definitely deserving of it. So we need you to get over there and show them what you've got. Time to do low-owned picks, Tuttle. Quarterback position. I'm going to go first here because I don't want you to steal mine. Oh, I'm not going to steal yours. I'll be very, very surprised if I steal yours. The regression monster is due to come for the Tennessee Titans. Maybe we saw it a little bit last week. 
but it's not going to be every week. This is going to be a game where they're going to have to put up points. And I think we're going to see Tannehill maybe in the 3% range, 3 4%, something like that. Uh, you've got pairing options here. You've got bring back options here. And I think when you start to build this lineup, you're going to get a little bit off the beaten path in terms of the way you're constructing your roster. So go ahead and make a couple of teams with Tannehill here. I'm, I'm not going to go absolutely insane with this one, but I do like it quite a bit for these large fields. Yeah, see, your take is significantly better than my take. My take, I kind <clears> of <throat> suckered, got suckered into saying earlier in the week on the Swolecast, and I have to double down on it. I have to. The biggest issue with my take here is he does not, he is not in a good, <laughs> good game environment. Check one. Uh, does not have an obvious stack partner. Check two, or strike two, I should say. And there aren't very many good bringback options, strike three. Uh, so that's the biggest issue with this guy. And that's probably why, well, partially why he's going to be so, so low owned. Mac Jones. Um, probably a completely unnecessary play this week. I do not think he has some extraordinary ceiling where you're going to play him. He's going to get 40 points. I do think he can get you 25 to 30 points in this matchup. We haven't projected at 1% ownership. Um, so here's the thing. A lot of coaches or some ironically most coaches in the nfl don't actually adjust their adjust based on matchups bill belichick does like we know this jets defense is pretty stout against the run we saw this patriots team have two fumbles on the ground last week bill belichick hates fumbles he hates turnovers this Jets secondary is absolutely terrible um like i think mac jones has a 300 yard performance in him in this spot and i think he has three plus touchdowns in him i know it's a bad take i know it's unnecessary but at 1% ownership, pair him with Nelson Aguilar, hope to, hope to get a touchdown out of him. I'm fine with it. See, I thought when uh, Scott Hansen, who did the show with me uh, behind the paywall for many years, left the show, we were not going to get any takes that I felt were this terrible. And I love them. I love this take, Cuddle. I think that the Jets secondary is pretty bad. Now, I don't know what, if we're going to get the pace or the scoring we need. And, and right. I'm not saying that I think this is something that I'm going to do a ton in my lineups, but I do think that there's some merit to what you're talking. You're talking about the big fields, all right? We're not playing Mac Jones in a, in the, yeah. in the, in what do you, what do you call it? The, uh, the three, the one fifty three max, you know, we're going to play Mac Jones in the million maker or some of these or the slant or something, but it's interesting. Yeah. He's not going to have any ownership. And I do like Nelson Aguilar quite a bit more than other people do overall this year. I'm not sure if that's a take you're going to have later, but that's certainly something that for the season, I think we're going to see some big games out of that guy. All right, let's go ahead and talk about running back. What do you got at the low owned section for RB? Yeah. So I mentioned earlier, I do have a guy I kind of like as a real cheap running back. Um, he's not going to project all that well because, Hey, he's in timeshare. Um, we saw his partner or partner in crime end up on the Millie maker lineup winning lineup last week in Melvin Gordon, uh, Javante Williams. We saw these guys almost exactly split. Um, in terms of they were on the field the same, 33 snaps each. Uh, Williams had more more touches. He had 15 to 14 in terms of Gordon. Gordon had the long run, obviously, which um, put him in the, the millie-making lineup. But either running back here, I, I'm, I do have a little bit of an age model. I am a little bit biased to Javante Williams here, the fresher legs. I think he's the more dynamic player. Um, but again, any basically any player against a defense that has allowed 24 points in 16 straight games is going to be in play. Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon could very easily see combined for 40 touches in this game. We saw that happen last week with the Houston Texans. We saw there were three running backs combined for 
multiple scores, 40 plus touches. Um, so typically I don't like taking timeshare backfields, but if that timeshare backfield has an opportunity to get me 20 touches at 4,400 on DraftKings, I think it's fine. That's, that's very interesting. And I, I wouldn't call it bold. I think it makes a lot of sense here. Uh, that's something like I mentioned Scott Hansen before, you know, shout out to him, by the way, if he's watching, uh, love you, Scott. But, you know, he would give a take that was very reasonable with high upside like Javante Williams last year. And then I would follow it up with a boring, predictable pick like Derrick Henry. <laughs> Derrick Henry is probably going to be like, what, 4 to 7% owned or something like that. And when Derrick Henry is 4 to 7% owned, just go ahead and play him. Just like, not every time is this going to work out, but one of these times he's going to have 30 fantasy points at the end of the first half. And you're just going to be crying. Like, why didn't I play more Derrick Henry at 5%? I don't think I need to overexplain this one, Tuttle. If it's going to happen as a matter of process of elimination in terms of who's going to be the high-owned plays, and even if he ends up creeping up towards the 10% mark, I don't care. I still think it won't be anywhere near some of the higher-owned backs on this slate. Let's talk about the wide receiver position. Who do you got there? Yeah, so my wide receiver play is a little bit boring, kind of just like natural leverage option against Najee Harris. Uh, I have a slash here because I think Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Juju, all of them are very similar plays. All of them are fine plays after projected ownership. Again, Harris is going to see, we have what, 23% projected ownership on DraftKings, probably similar on FanDuel. Let me see, 30% on FanDuel. So it's like, this guy's going to be ultimate, ultimate chalk. If he fails, like I don't, I don't expect the Steelers offense in general to put up a huge goose egg, but if Najee Harris does not score a touchdown, they're going to get their touchdowns elsewhere. It's going to be through the passing game. It's going to be through these guys. Uh, Deontay Johnson is kind of my favorite of the bunch. As weird as that sounds, he's the low ADOC guy who people typically don't like, but he still scores touchdowns. Claypool is the big play guy. So I understand if people want to, you know, go a little bit high, heavier on Claypool. But I think both these guys are, are excellent leverage options off of uh, Najee Harris. That makes plenty of sense to me. And I think that that's a good, strong take. Now, okay, so there's lots of options at the wide receiver position, and I could probably give more than a few. But we mentioned uh, the situation that's happening with the Denver and Jacksonville game. You look at the props for Teddy Bridgewater, they're not too bad in terms of his passing yards. And if you think Noah Fant's going to score all the passing yards for there, I mean, you've got certainly ha Hamler's out there, but Sutton played the most snaps for them last week. Did, did I read that right? Cortland Sutton, coming off the injury, played the most snaps for the team, and all of a sudden we're putting him out there against a bunch of scraggly – puny arm jabronis and now we've got Sutton running around out there with his you know basically like real alpha skill set and he's going to be three percent owned so you don't necessarily love getting excited about Denver Broncos with Teddy Bridgewater as the quarterback but look it's a situation where he's not that expensive and he's got a pretty good amount of upside here without high ownership so I think that that's the qualification that we're looking for as we try to you know get some unique lineups in these large fields you got another one at wide receiver? Nope. Sut Sut I literally was going to put Sutton if I did not have Javante Williams on as my running back. I just want to mention Julio Jones. Uh, you mentioned Adrian Green earlier. Uh, I don't think Julio is going to be very highly owned. Uh, say, tell me now, is he washed? Because I don't, I don't even know what that means. Is he washed? But this is a guy who's going to be 3% owned who once upon a time, he, I mean, he might have been 3% owned once in his, in his entire career. So what do you think about this one? No, I don't think he's washed. Um, when he was not injured, which was seldom last season, but when he was not injured, he actually like he looked good. Um, that's not the case with what we've seen of of AJ Brown or AJ Green. Um, 
So no, Julio Jones has not hit the washed stage yet of his career, I don't think. All right. Do you, do you have a tight end for us? I do. I actually have two. Um, and I don't love them. And it's kind of similar to who was the, the James O'Shaughnessy line of thinking um, with guys that are just going to be on the field uh, an absolute ton. Adam Troutman, going to be on the field a lot. He was on the field uh, and ran around an 18 of 24 dropbacks for Winston compared to the guy that outshined him, Jawan Johnson, who was only on the uh, field for 10 to 24 dropbacks. Obviously, like Johnson is potentially more of a red zone threat um, for the Saints moving forward, but I don't think we can necessarily extrapolate that off of one game. Um, so Troutman would be one of those guys. And then Cole Komet, um, like I would not be at all that surprised if Komet ended the season as the second receiving option. It's probably a little bit of a hot take putting him ahead of Darnell Mooney, but in terms of target share, I would not be surprised if they ended up in a similar range, I should say. Like Allen Robinson, 100% going to be the alpha this year, no matter who's that quarterback. And the next guy is a little bit up in the air, depending on who's that quarterback. Uh, Komet was on the field for 32 of 45 dropbacks. He had the third most targets on the team, caught five of six. Like he's a fairly unexciting option, just like Adam Troutman, just like James O'Shaughnessy but he's going to be on the field. If he gets a touchdown at his price tag, he pays it off. Folks, I was going to do it for the ownership report here in week number two. Uh, thank you very much, Dan, for giving us your take on low-owned options for the week. For RotorGunners.com, I'm Chris Tremino. We'll be back again next week for week number three. Go win something.